Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, and on today's episode, I got to interview a practitioner that I have been working underneath, and her name is Leah Simmons, and she has just recently created her own, let's say, healing modality class, um, beautiful practice that I have been attending here in Bondi. And if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen me share a little bit about it. It's called Kaya, and Leah is actually about to go online. So excited to share today's story and a little bit of insight into the power of this class because it means that people all around the world will be able to access it soon. And what I love about Leah's story is that it's this combination of all of her life experiences from being a DJ in London and living a bit of a party life to going on a bit of a spiritual journey through Pilates and yoga and living in Bali. Um, she's a mum and she's recently designed this Kaya practice, which for me is like a game changer. It is a mix of the ultimate morning routine. So it's an hour long class. It's a mix of breath work, uh, this integration um, technique, which has been amazing exercise and like full body workout and meditation. And for me, I I try to do all of those things in my in my morning practice. So when I came across Leah's class, I instantly fell in love with it because it was like all the things I try to fit into a morning and can take a long time if you do like a, you know, a proper practice of all four of them. Um, but Leah has designed this beautiful practice and I love this because it's it's a sign of somebody who has channeled and tuned in and found their purpose and their passion and designed something that's unique and different and yeah it's been amazing to watch her class flourish as somebody who is um, designing something that is uniquely hers and I think as a result of that it will always be successful because it's this, you know, extension of herself. But Leah is also just a very inspiring and motivational person in general. And so she shares some really great insights into, you know, us as humans and and what we're working through as a human experience. Um, but also something that I've learned over the years and have definitely experienced in this class is that in business, we often find that, you know, we have to push ourselves to this new level. We have to beat procrastination and overwhelm and inaction. And going to a class like this, whether it's Kaya or your own exercise or meditation or whatever practice that you like to do, it's this physical experience of pushing yourself to a new level. And what I do when I'm having that experience or that practice in a physical sense in a, in a class like this, it actually reminds me what I'm capable of. It reminds me that I can push the limits, that I can, you know, work a little bit harder or go that little bit further beyond my comfort zone and that I'm going to be okay. You know, if you practice uh, a, an exercise routine at home, 
which I tend to do also, you know, you kind of never really push yourself as far as when somebody else does as, as your practitioner. And, you know, that's relevant to business coaching. It's relevant to therapy, to exercise and having that person outside of you who's holding space and, and pushing you and challenging you to go beyond your comfort zone. When you do that in a, in a physical realm, it means that when you sit down at your desk, you can push yourself, you can learn to go into a discomfort and to grow and to expand. And, you know, exercises is, is, is a good example of that because, you know, our muscles hurt and they tear and, you know, we, we hold our poses longer and they eventually heal into a stronger formation and, yeah, that's a whole nother side topic. But we're, today we're going to hear about Leah's story and her journey and some incredible insights into a full integrative practice um, for a physical, emotional, spiritual self and how that can relate to doing good business as well. So really inspiring chat. We got to sit in her studio in person, which I haven't done in ages um, here in Bondi where we live. Uh, it's a little bit echoey and there's some background noise, but nothing beats an in-person jam. And it's something I really enjoyed. And doing it in the beautiful space where we get to practice was worth the audio not being as on point. Um, but I hope you enjoy the conversation and be sure to check out Kaya, which has been a game-changing practice for me, both spiritually Uh, physically and also something that I've been applying to my business. Enjoy the podcast guys. Hi there my name is Leah Simmons. I am the founder of Kaya. Hi. Welcome to the podcast Leah. Thank you for having me. Lovely to have you here. We're sitting in your beautiful studio in Bondi Mm. where you host these incredible classes that cause all sorts of pain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and joy thank enjoy. you and joy it does come around to the joy I had this I did a class with Leah this morning and I had this moment of like are we are we sure we were done with like the body work part of it and then you always are just like we're gonna do this one more and every time I do the class I'm like I feel like I can predict when you're gonna stop but then you push to this next level of pain <laughs> which has a purpose and I'm sure we'll get into it but let's um introduce yourself your business name and tell us a little bit about where this came from and where you came from oh gee well how long does this go for oh my god well my name's Leah Simmons um my current business what you're referring to is called Kaya um it's been an it's been several different things over the past few years it's been a long uh sort of exploratory journey into myself. So this wasn't an idea that I had and I was like, this is going to be a business. This is like a culmination of my life experience, basically. Mm. Um, And anybody that knows me or has known me from the inception would know that everything from the music soundtrack through to all of the modalities in there is deeply part of me. Mm. So... I've been in the fitness industry for the last 14 years, but what people might not know is that I was actually a DJ for 18 years prior to that. I lived in London. I ran a record label for six years. I performed at Glastonbury. I had this kind of other life that um, was like party hard, work hard, you know. 
and DJ life. DJ life. <laughs> Very um, nocturnal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Different to our 6 a.m. class, but the, the underlying trait is that the music is incredible. Well, the music for me, music for me, and I think for everybody, is emotive, right? It is one of the most powerful ways to catapult you either into somewhere that you've been. So, um, you know, it can, it can really, if you hear a song that you connect to, it's like, oh, I remember, it brings back all of these memories. Good or bad, you know, we all have songs connected to past partners and, you know, that can elicit feelings. It's like um, time travel. I remember hearing it described. I was like, that is the best way because you completely transport yourself. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, I listened, I was, I was actually DJing um, at a, a place uh, when, my, when I met my husband mm. and I was playing an 80s set because... I love 80s music. I'm a total 80s diehard. And I was playing Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) Don't judge me. No judgment. And he walks in and, you know, we ended up dancing everybody into our wedding to that song. And, like, the song now has taken on a completely different meaning for me. Uh, Every time we hear it, we have Mm. a giggle to ourselves. So so music can be very powerful in and, you know, in... Um, connecting to our emotional state. I always think that about, I'm fascinated by musicians and their ability to build such big audiences and transform, you know, a whole stadium of 50,000 people. It's like it really taps into something. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, there's such power in in um, incredible songwriting. Like I remember um, seeing Chris Martin and Coldplay mm. at a Glastonbury, I think it was 2004 or five. And he, I mean, he's one man mm. sitting at a piano and he just had 100,000 people mesmerised, yeah. you know, and um, that's power, you know, that's yeah. real power. And I also feel that music is the universal language. Mm. Like, it transcends words. It's, mm. it's something that everybody can understand. It's something that everybody can relate to. Mm. It's something that makes everybody feel. So the music component of um, Kaya was hugely hugely important Mm. I love this because I think we're we're, I really want to hear how you brought all of this together but I think the underlying you know this theme that's kind of come out of doing the work for me too is like it's like these little snippets where you can look back through people's lives and be like you know had you not been the DJ would this class have been what it is today totally and how amazing to have something that's so innately yours become this thing that you can now make money off yeah, absolutely. I think any business has to come from an innate, um, something that's inside you. And that goes to finding what your purpose is. And I'm doing it in inverted commas, uh, you know, little thing here, because I feel like that is a buzzword that people throw around these days. What's your purpose? Find your purpose. Find your why. It's not as easy, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that feel like they don't have one. Um, I think rather purpose, it's more passion what, what excites you? What gets you up in the morning? What, um... And sometimes it takes life experiences. You know, I think me as a business coach, there's certain ways that I can talk about masculine and feminine in business because after my a breakup, I went on this big tantra journey. And, you know, so right. it all becomes the, like, your exact life experience is going to add to your of purpose course. And, and start to reveal it eventually. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't um, teach anything that you hadn't really experienced yeah. yourself. I mean, you could, but you would very quickly find that your students aren't resonating with you yeah, because you haven't matter. lived it, you yeah. know. 
Um, so you were in this DJ world. I was in this DJ world, yeah. yes. And um, it was actually hilarious because I used to come back to Australia for three months over the summer. The label that I ran, we'd do a, an Australian summer tour and mm. I would always, I had it written into my contract that I could come back and spend, you know, the summer down with my family. And every time I'd like arrive at the airport after nine months of being in London, my mum would take one look at me and just be like, oh my God, girl, you look dead. <laughs> so she would drag me off to her Pilates class. Yeah, and I was like, I don't want to do this. I mean, I've always been um, sporty, but it was just, you know, from the moment I stepped into the studio, I just felt like I was home. You know, the method um, I fell in love with, the teacher I had was unbelievable. So when um, it was an interesting time around the time when I decided to move back to Australia, it was around 2006, and iTunes had just started. Mm. So the bottom kind of fell out of the independent. Um, record label industry because we were relying on sales from vinyl and all of a sudden you could get the same song online for like 99 pence as opposed to 18 pounds and so there was a real shake up um, in the industry and and I just turned 30 and I was like you know what I think my time here is done I'm going to go back to Australia and as the music industry was um, settling into this new digital era I was kind of like I was still DJing and I was loving that, but I thought, I, I don't want to be in the industry anymore. What what do I want to do? And I thought, oh, maybe I could just start teaching Pilates. So I went and got my um, personal training uh, certification. I did my studio certification in the Pilates studio and, um, you know, started teaching Pilates. And I loved it. And I really did love it. And um, Was that here in Sydney? Here in Sydney, yeah. yes. Um, I got a lot of fond memories from the studio and um, and from my clients. There was always a musical element, you know. I was always very much into doing my classes to music. I just feel like you find a rhythm and a flow with the movement. Yeah. Um, it also allows you to slow everything down because you have to do it to a beat. It actually it's... makes so much sense because there's been a few times where I'm like, how does she know when that's going to drop? Like, <laughs> it is like... Yes, that's thing. right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, look, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things yeah. that people would just, you kind of, it's almost like if they don't comment on it, then you know you've done your job. Yeah. Because it's just part of the sensory I experience. I mean, I overthink most things. So. <laughs> well, we're trying to get you out of your yeah. head, babe. Slowly. <laughs> um, okay, so you're in this Pilates studio. What happens next? So then I become... Then Instagram and social media become, you know, come on the scene. And I kind of go down a little bit of a tangent of becoming quite obsessed with mm. the physical. Mm. My handle is Body by Leah Simmons. I am training my brains out, not just Pilates, but I'm like seriously lifting heavy weights. And I just became a little bit obsessed with the way that I looked. And the more notoriety and attention I was getting online, the more pressure I was putting on myself mm. to um, not only maintain that, mm. but improve it, be better. And my version of better mm-hmm. was fitter and leaner and thinner and stronger and all of the things that I felt like I wasn't, but I actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my body, my self-image, the, the way that I viewed myself was really driven by the way that others viewed me. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where um, after I'd met my husband and I was sort of doing the back and forth to Bali thing because he lived in Bali and I was in Sydney and we were 
um, commuting, I suppose, um, he turned around to me one day and he just he said, "You do all of this work on yourself to project this image of this perfect life, yet you are miserable." <laughs> wow. I know, and I was like. Can I swear? Yeah. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, fuck, you are right. Yeah. I am miserable. And the more I'm doing this, the more miserable I'm becoming. Especially hearing it from someone so close to you. Totally. Like, How dare you? <laughs> yeah. No, but it was a, it was like a, yeah. it was like a, it was a virtual slap in the face and it was the one that I needed because I was like, I just thought people were supposed to feel like that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, but hang on a second society says if I look this way then I'm going to feel this way Mm. and I think that that's the Instagram paradigm right is like you get trapped in the likes and the follows and the validation and and people commenting oh you look fab and whatever totally you know even as startup creative it's like people look to me to be inspirational and I'm not always on in that way so but that's the view you have of yourself and I feel like I mean this is stuff that I've learned now over the last five or six years um you know, we are our own worst enemies. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I can feel it in my body now. I'm thinking about it. It's like that hold it together, hold it together, project this image, project this image. And really, like, the days that I've been most vulnerable and broken is like when people relate. A million percent. <laughs> I mean, because you become a relatable, real person, yeah. you know, that, that other people can go, oh my God, she's a human being. Mm. She's not just this. Because, per- because I found that um, you put it, it, it became this sort of, I don't know, it's a, it's a hard thing to explain. I could, the more I put up, the more I couldn't have those moments of rawness and honesty. And, you know, it, it took a lot for me to, I was so critical of myself, like so hypercritical of the tiniest things. And it takes a lot of energy. A lot of energy. I had a son who I was neglecting. I had a husband or a partner at the time. And it was the reality check that I needed to just go, whoa, yeah. you know, get a grip. Yeah. Because it was taking over my life. Yeah. And um, it was what, not... What a... happens in that moment once you hear this truth? First of all, like relief yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. Because you kind of know that you now you've got to you've got to look at it yeah you have to look at it there's just no hiding behind it anymore so there's this huge it's like you know when you finally come clean Mm. about something and as hard as it is to say it's just this weight off your shoulders and you go oh i don't know why i waited so long to do that um so there was that and then it was like right now i need to really go deep Mm. and have a look at a where all of that stuff was coming from and b um what does it mean what does it mean to be truly fit? Because I did not... I was physically fit, but I was not healthy in any of my mm. other areas of my life. Mentally, I was a mess. Emotionally, I was all over the place. And spiritually, for me, spirituality is connection. Mm-hmm. I was so far out of the present moment. I was mm. so concerned by what was happening in the future or what had happened yeah. in the past that I was not connected to anything or anyone, at least especially not myself. So I was like, there has to be... There has to be a way to bring myself back into a hole. And so we began this kind of, my husband and I, we began this sort of odyssey into what does it mean to be healthy? What, what is health? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- you know, what are the, wh- and, and what drives it? Mm-hmm. 
and ultimately can you can you train it like you train your body mm. so that led us to you know I was very blessed to be able to be in a place like Bali where mm. there's just a plethora of healing modalities available at the drop mm. of a hat um, you know you and can help yeah like it's very easy and affordable as well that's that. right I mean because it's because it's so easy and affordable over there you do run the risk of you know there's a million and one mm. yoga teachers to and always be healing that's right <laughs> yeah. um, so you know you have to kind of navigate your way around that and so did you move to Bali eventually yes yeah. so I was um, because I had a, a son from a previous relationship, mm-hmm. uh, I was doing two weeks in Sydney, two weeks in Bali, two yep. weeks in Sydney, two weeks in Bali. Fortunately, I have a very amazing ex mm-hmm. who we are all best friends, you know, now and before. So mm-hmm. um, he would have him for the two weeks that I went to Bali and then I'd fly back and I would have my son. But after Adrian and I got married, um, it just wasn't viable for us to be apart, you know, mm-hmm. like that. So... We made the decision to move to Bali permanently. Um, he has a hospitality group over there, so you know it was better for him to be on the ground. Mm-hmm. My son came with me. I ended up having another baby. Wow. Yes, yeah, so I have a little girl as well called Lucky. Yeah. She's two. Yep. So I have a two-year-old and an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a bit of a space in between, but it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were, we were there for the best part of the last couple of years. I mean, obviously, last year, which was... a you know, anomaly in everybody's mm. life. We were landlocked there for ten months, yeah, wow. um, which was a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, being able to spend so much time over there, you meet people that just change your life. Mm. And I met this woman, Samaya, who was a Kundalini yoga teacher. She was a vibrational medicine mm. healer. She worked with energy. I had one session with her, and it was like a light bulb went off in my head around feeling connected, feeling energised, feeling healed from an emotional level. And I was like, this is the missing link. This is the missing piece of the puzzle when it comes to training. Mm. This is what people aren't telling you. Was it a kundalini session? It was a kundalini session. So Um, just quickly, is there a brief description of kundalini for those who don't know it? Yeah, so the way that I was always describe uh, the you know told kundalini was if you imagine every type of yoga so yin vinyasa hatha ayenga is a facet of a diamond mm-hmm. kundalini is the diamond mm. it's the it's the yoga of awareness it's it's an energetic form of yoga it focuses on um, clearing energetic channels lots of chanting lots of breath work lots of extended holds it's there to push you through your mm. perceived limits it's um it's quite a powerful thing. I mean, anybody that knows Russell Brand, he went off on a Kundalini odyssey. Like he was doing it eight hours a day, and I don't know if doing anything for eight hours a day is good. Yeah. Um, but the you know, it's when Yogi Bhajan brought it to the West in the seventies. All of the um, hippies that were, mm. you know, experimenting with LSD and mm. acid went and, and started doing Kundalini because the high mm. was so much better than any artificial drug. Yeah. So the breath work and it's so good for you, isn't it? That it's incredible for you. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, anything that you need to do repetitive and focused mm. is brings you into the present moment. Mm-hmm. That is number one. I mean, we spend probably eighty percent of our day either in the past mm-hmm. or in the future. Yeah. And not very much time in the present. 
When you are living in the moment, your day slows down like you would not mm. believe. Like you just find so much more space. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not concerned about things that happened yesterday or a year ago. Mm. You're certainly not concerned about stories that you're creating in your head about what's going to happen mm. in the future because obviously, let's be honest, nobody really knows. Hello, global mm. pandemic. You know, no one can predict that. I, l- I love the Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you've come yes, across his work. Him. but the, You know, for me, the biggest thing was like when you're in that present moment, you can actually create a new reality. Absolutely. Because if you're predicting the future, then you're always going to get what you've always gotten. Whereas So that's a limit, right? Yeah. You, it, and this is this is where this work becomes really important and understanding what energy is and what raising it does is when you're operating from a space where you can't be open to any possibility, you are creating a confine for your own uh, uh, growth or your own experience yeah. and your own reality. So your own outcome is now limited to what you are thinking of. Whereas if you kind of can get to a place where you allow it to self-organise, mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of trust and a lot of work mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's not just, oh, so tomorrow I'm just going to sit on the couch and do nothing and the whole world's going to yeah. work for me, you know. Um, but it can become as simple as yeah. that. And this is, well, let's get into um, how you develop this modality and maybe you can teach it and then I think there's some great lessons that we can apply from this work. Yes. Because you're also going to go online with this shortly, yes. aren't you? Which is why I was really excited to have you on here. Because I'm like, <laughs> yes, it means we can share it with you. 100%. 100%. Because and I, Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, I was like, it's a it's a, uh, a class that I haven't experienced before. And it's a lot of these things that I have done. And I think I said to you the first time I met you, normally I'm like, you know, pick a card on a morning routine and be like, am I going to do breath work? Am I going to do my meditation? Am yes. I going to do a workout? And to do them all in the one go is great. But let's figure out where you learn. Like, okay, so going back to um, Bali. Bali and, you know, met this woman, did all these things. What, I, what we ended up stumbling across was a body of work that, um, that showed us that there's actually four areas that make up us. Mm-hmm. We call them the four pillars of energy or the four pillars of health. And they are mental, physical, emotional and spiritual. They are all connected, so the health of one area directly affects the health of another area. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all equal in value. And this herein lies the problem in today's society where, unfortunately, it's the physical that you can see, so it's the physical that we focus on, and we probably spend 80% of our time on that. And that and has the best reputation in terms of... You know, feeding the ego. Exactly. <laughs> well, yes. And, you know, it gives us the instant gratification um, and all the things that we that we are obsessed with at the moment. Designed um, to fall into. Exactly. But if you can balance out the time and the focus and the energy spent on, um, you know, addressing the health of all of the other areas, what happens is they start to work together and you're total experience or your total health starts to amplify because the whole is greater than the sum of their parts so you could train yourself to death in the physical and pay no attention to the other areas and there will always be something that you're either striving for that you can't reach there'll be a goal that you can't because that is a lack of 
uh, mental health. Mm. You can sit on a mountain and meditate your brains out for the entirety of your life, but not pay no attention to your physical health, mm. and you will always be trying to chase something. You might feel sluggish, you know. So there's always going to be a payoff for not, um, for not balancing out mm-hmm. your training. Mm-hmm. Um, what I tried to do was demystify or bring into a modern-day language mm-hmm. the fact that you can train these areas. Mm-hmm. You don't have to spend hours in a temple or, um, you know, go and sit up top of a mountain to become spiritual or become well, connected. You don't have, yeah, I think there's that stereotype around spirituality. And yes. even, like, emotions. Like, emotional, I would say, is like, oh, therapy. You go to therapists. And then spirituality <laughs> is like, oh, you're a yogi, you know? And then... So totally. Well, I mean, if you, the, the way that you're... Me that you attach your emotional health, um, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have to always be attached to a trauma mm. or negative emotions. It's a broader topic than that. It's about um, the energy around your emotions, mm. where your emotions are coming from. And there's a really amazing um, sort of flow diagram to show you uh, what raising your energy can do to the emotions and then the flow and effect mm. from that. Um, which I will share with you in a second. But so essentially I looked and there was these four pillars of health and I was like, okay, great, physical, no-brainer. Can totally organise a workout for that, that's fine. How do we train our mental health? How do we train our emotional health? How do we train our physical, our spiritual health? So breath work, you know, it's gained such a huge... um, It's gained a lot of momentum over the past couple of years Wim Hof obviously you know shocking the body bringing a lot of oxygen so we know just from being alive that oxygen is our life force we can't live very long without it Um, what we also are starting to understand is how important it is for our cell regeneration Um, our brain uses 20% of the oxygen that we take into our body and we probably only use about 15% of our lung capacity as we sit here and just shallow breathe. So if you're thinking mind and you're thinking brain and you're thinking neural pathways and you're thinking activation and feedback loops and behaviours and thoughts, your brain is getting 20% of 15% oxygen. Mm. That's not very much, Mm. you know? So breath work, being able to really draw some fresh oxygen into the body, saturate the cells, wake up the nervous system, activate the brain um, on a regular basis, so consistently, can really um, fire your mind up. You will gain clarity. You will have laser-sharp focus. You'll be able to stay in the present without daydreaming off and, you know... And I'm not it's saying... It's like flushing the system. It's it? flushing the system. Yeah. You're forcing oxygen into your cells. It's going to leak out all of the stuff that, mm. you know, is just residual crap mm. and make some space for the new. Yeah. Um, the way that we breathe, the way that we stand, our posture, our lung capacity, you know, it feeds our fascia, which is the connective tissue that surrounds our muscles, which also holds a lot of emotional material. So inflammation, pain in the joints, that's all emotional rubbish that we can get rid of as well. Oxygen is a really great driver of getting into those spaces. So breathwork is is a brilliant way to 
really uh, sustain and support our mental health. Yep. Emotional health. Well, I mean, meditation, I don't need to convince yep. anybody around the benefits <laughs> of that. That is, that's written, you know, they're using it. And even Western medicine is now mm. using it as a protocol for cancer patients and, you know, mindfulness, all of that sort of stuff. Mm. To be able to bring yourself into a place of stillness and sit with yourself for a moment to really just be in the present, be with your breath, um, allow yourself the time and space to just feel whatever it is you're feeling, mm -hmm. you know, so no brainer there. I think the kicker is the integration technique and the reason I've called it integration is because all of the modalities that we do in Kaya are, is there to build and generate energy within the body. And then at the end, rather than going out and leaking it all over the place, which is what we tend to do, we want to be able to keep it inside our container and push it into the areas that we that you know we, we need it to be in and really integrate it into yeah. ourselves. And just I just want to clarify for people listening at home, because I think that energy like the energy building, it's like it's it's just physical energy. Like when you work out, you're you're generating energy and then the yep. breath brings energy up through the body. So there's two different types of energy. There's a mm. physical energy, which is what you're talking about. Mm. There's a subtle energy as well mm. that exists uh, within us, but also within things like words mm. um, you know if you walk into a room and you can sense someone mm. you know if they're in a good mood a bad mood you know if something's body off language. body like but it's a it's a feeling right mm. so there's an energetic feeling around um, what we say what we think what we do we have a subtle energy field that extends mm. nine feet outside mm. of our body and so as I'm sitting here next to you Ours is mingling with each other, <laughs> you know. It, it, so that's why my energy can affect mm. your energy and mm. vice versa. Yeah. So that is a different type of energy that we talk about that also um, as you sit in meditation, as you do the breath work in the present moment, as you sit through the integration technique, you're raising your – and I'm going to replace the word energy with frequency mm. or vibration – you know, not to go too far into the no, no, woo-woo. Is it that you're organising that energy field? Is that what happens? It becomes more, like, coherent? Yes, yeah. absolutely. So there's a cohesion that happens. There is an elevation that happens. Mm. And I wish I could show you yeah. the, um, the frequency chart because yeah. emotions exist at a frequency. So yeah. most of the world lives at about 100, which is the frequency of fear. Mm. And... You've got guilt, you've got shame, you've got doubt, you've got anger, you've got all of these ones down in the bottom mm -hmm. part of the chart. As you move up, as your frequency increases, your vibration increases, mm -hmm. you move up into the frequency of appreciation and love and care and joy and you keep going up, 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 and you move into compassion and gratitude and peace. And so it looks like a, an upside down triangle, yep. basically. That's because as you move up, mm. you also expand outwards. Mm -hmm. You know, your capacity for um, being open to things, 
you're less resistant. You know, it's there's a whole world that happens around you as you increase your vibration or yeah. your frequency. And that, they're the moments in life where I think you're like, oh, life is happening for me. You know, a hundred percent. Things start, to and I'm not grow. really doing anything. Yeah, and here, this is people are coming to me for work or whatever it is. Exactly, and that's what yeah. the definition of being in flow. Yeah. Right. So raising your, okay, raising so your vibration. We've raised our vibration. We're not going to go and vomit it out to anyone. <laughs> Let's talk about the integration technique. Yes. This is where um, I think is like a game changer. But also what I think we can also, if we were to leave people with a lesson today about yes. um, how to also apply this. In, and I know that you talk a lot about limiting beliefs, which I, yes. I touch on a lot and hold a lot of people back. So I think this is where we kind of break through that, right? Absolutely. I mean, the integration technique is, you know, borrowed straight from my Kundalini yoga teacher training. It is there... It's an opportunity for you to meet yourself where you are at and it gives you the opportunity to choose your next move mm. without being confronted, I suppose, with um, a, a situation, I guess, in real life where uh, there's a reaction involved. This is a moment for you to sit with yourself, have a conversation and say, how do I want to proceed? Now, there's two. There's always going to be two ways to go. Most of us, um, our our choices are driven by our conditioning. And by our conditioning, I mean, you know, our parents, our teachers. I mean, it starts when you're born. Mm-hmm. And it's not our fault, do you know what I mean? Because they're, the people that are also guiding us have their own conditioning to mm-hmm. deal with, and so it goes backwards. Um, what I'm trying to share with everybody is that you're not bound by this. Mm-hmm. This isn't finite. The belief system that you have at the present can if you want it to be changed, mm-hmm. you are far more powerful and capable than you give yourself credit for. Mm-hmm. And the integration technique shows you your power. Mm-hmm. It shows you your metal. It shows you what you're made of. And it gives you the opportunity for you to push through mm-hmm. um, any perceived limits that you may have. Mm-hmm. And what happens as you keep breathing and going through is your vibration starts to raise and all those fears and doubts and feelings of guilt and shame start to just fall off you as you ascend into this feeling of just like, I can fucking do anything. Mm. Look at me go. (laughs) You know, and it's like, it's a release. I mean, it's it's usually accompanied by tears, but the tears of joy and relief and, you know, a lot of people have stuff buried so deeply they don't even know where it's come from and and I'm not asking you to relive any of it it's not I'm not talk therapy there's no I don't even want to know what it is all I want you to do is to be able to go I can shift my view Mm. on whatever past trauma happened Mm. so that it doesn't affect me anymore yeah and like guys for those listening at home imagine Leah is like walking and like she's like army pacing like come on guys and it's like it's this real mindset shift and I think it just kind of clicked for me then because something you said at the beginning is like we're training these four parts 100% and it's and hard it's like, some of it's yeah. hard and it's like but when do we ever train our mindset like really it's exactly what you said in that normally you test your mindset when you're faced with an opportunity or a a setback or you know something that hurts and then you have to you know you don't even you just react right yes but if you actually physically spend time training your mindset and you know for me especially this morning like I was in physical pain it's like you've just done an hour of like hardcore (laughs) non-stop 
And then this like experience of energy came up through my my back like that, and I had like this like vision and this kind of thing that I was personal to me and that I needed to face. Amazing. And the emotional like I started crying, but it was like that emotional feeling of like physical pain is nothing on not living your truth. Ah. Oh. Mate, it's a walk in the park. As if you've got suppressed emotional yeah. garbage, yeah. then you know that's going to hurt ten the times physical, worse. The, it was like I was faced with this version of myself being like, "What are you going to do? Like, are you going to step up?" And it was, and it was around this situation in my life. But the, all of a sudden, the, I completely forgot the pain in my body. Yeah, amazing. Because there yeah. is no pain. Yeah, it's an illusion. It comes from your mind. This and it's is like the, I always yeah. say, what you focus on expands. And you know, I'm the worst in the workout part. I'm like, this is so painful. Why won't you stop? <laughs> and then the spiritual side, I can definitely get better. But I think this is, you know, you do this work now, so that when an opportunity arises to pitch yourself for a job or ask totally. someone on a date or you know get up from a really shitty situation. be able to look in the mirror and go you yeah. slay like yeah. do you know what I mean that that confidence that like, is... even though I'm in physical pain because I think that's the thing around fear right yeah is so many people go oh that's scary or that's hurt or, it doesn't feel right so they retreat back and I think this tra- doing this training means that you will learn to go to break that pattern that if if it's painful then I shouldn't do it yes well that again I mean I I talk about that in during it it's like your mind and and we love it it's it's there for a reason the soul created the ego so it's not like you know it's just snuck up on us um it's there to keep us safe and but we're so negatively wired that safe back in the day was Mm. like not being eaten by a you know we've kind of we've now taken that concept and applied it to not being safe means not having a text message replied to or do you know what I mean and so our version and our definition of safety is completely Mm. whack it's just not it's not real and we have lost the tools to be able to um, move through these little micro setbacks with kind of an ease and a grace and being able to just it sort of just be water off yeah, the duck's it's back it's pain but i'm i can transcend it you know exactly and then doing this work i think at like your morning workout is that no matter what you whether it's yeah yeah it's, let me give you i'm going to yeah. try and take this back because i know this is a business yeah. uh, podcast as well and i want to give you a little bit of an example of how this can translate into a business Great. um model because we did it in our business in bali and we had you know we were dealing with over 200 non-English speaking staff members mm. as well and we used to make you know they'd come in for like morning kundalini we were doing some crazy stuff with them yeah, and they yeah. were all amazing but the way the energy game works in business is it obviously it's it's very similar to the normal where it starts from the top so you know the leader's energy is going to very much affect how how that all kind of dribbles down mm. in um the thing but when you start to work on yourself and raise yourself out of fear, then you can walk into your own business and let go of mistakes, look at it as innovation. You can allow your staff members the space to be able to um, expand into their own roles. There's no hierarchy. There's no job titles. There's no none of that. There's no egos. There's no micromanaging. Everybody does what, what is needed to do. That then filters down into 
the next layer of people, your productivity and efficiency goes absolutely through the roof because people are feeling good about themselves. So they want to come to work. And you work more efficiently when you're in that coherent state. A hundred percent. You're not trying to manage a billion things at once and not getting anything done. If you lead by fear, mm. so constantly berating and yelling at your staff members, constantly telling them that they're fucked up, constantly mm. this and the other, what do you think you're going to get back? Mm. You know? So from a business perspective, doing the work for yourself is going to open you up to be able to allow the others to expand into it as well. Yeah, I love that. And... I promise you, it's it, it is such a more it's a such a more pleasant work environment to be in when you know, as a worker or an employee, that your boss cares about you. Mm, yeah, I love that. I think that's so powerful in terms of the, everyone's individual motivation. And I think that there's a lot here around. Um, you know, there's also a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast and like, should I start my business? Shouldn't I? And like, that's that. Yeah. Well, it state. starts with you. Do the work. Yeah. Get and get good with yourself. Get comfortable with fear. Hundred <laughs> percent. Find comfort in your discomfort. Yeah. That's what I say all the time. Because mm. once you do, yeah. So I have a it question. Yeah. When yeah. you came back, to, so you only just recently returned to Sydney. Yes. And you've got this modality that's mostly born in this beautiful spiritual island. And <laughs> now you're in the middle of Bondi and there's yep. often big trucks going past. Which and, is beautiful. Yeah. We love that. We, we, we love the garbage trucks to take away all of our emotional stuff and yeah, cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there, what was the um, fear for you or what was your journey like in being like, I'm going to take this to the world? or was there a knowing that there's a knowing it was this is needed it was so easy to sit in Bali Mm. you're preaching to the converted Mm. they don't need it they've got four million different things over there that you can heal yourself with this is where the work is needed chuck me into downtown LA Mm. get the people that really need this help Mm. you know or somewhere that is um, that people are suffering they're in survival mode Mm. this is where you need to do the work Mm. so the reason that I what I wanted to do was try and condense it into an hour because I do know that people have routine and structure in their lives and, you know, most people have one hour to train. So I'm like, great, we're going to squash it into an hour yeah. because eight minutes of meditation is better than no minutes of meditation mm. and ten minutes of breath work is better than none. Mm. Um, you're still getting a really decent physical workout as well. Mm-hmm. And it's something that people can do every day. And after you've done it, you've ticked every box. Mm-hmm. You've done your breath work. You've done your workout. You've done your meditation. Mm-hmm. You have pushed through, you know, whatever crap and limits you. Emotional release. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can get on with your day feeling empowered and connected to yourself. Mm-hmm. Strong and resilient, clear, you know, mm-hmm. focused. And the more you do it, the better it becomes, the stronger the feeling, the more it lasts throughout the day. Um, but I never... I, look, I knew that I had to do it. It was always part of what I was doing. As I said, it's been different versions, but this was the one where, that I just had that bolt of line. I was like, right, this is it. It just so happened that we were moving back to Australia, so the universe just, you know, I've allowed it to work for me. And um, I'm so thrilled at how amazing mm. the I mean we've I've only had this studio open two weeks mm. and it's just blown my mind it's so encouraging yeah but I I know that it works that's mm. why yeah I'm proof 
like I love that and I often teach people and we talk about on the podcast it's like when you're doing something from that really deep place of this is an extension of me and I believe in this and I authentically know this and I can authentically see that this is a solution for a real problem then how can it not work? That's right. And look, I'm not reinventing the wheel, believe me. There's nothing in my workout that hasn't already been out there or around. I've just combined it in a way that is like a fast track. And to, it's your, but it's your yeah. your touch on it, you know. It's yes. like it's what you are on this planet for right now is to express this. That's right. Which is what I love. I think is hopefully the world is coming to, and that those they will once people. I get online. You, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming for you all. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. And maybe just to finish, you could give what would your number one tip be for somebody out there looking to start their own business? You know, follow their passion, find their purpose, like. Get out of your head, go into your heart, and just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, get to a kayak class. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Kay. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.